This is Rumble, and I'm Michael Moore. I'm actually Michael Francis Thomas Moore. That is my full Catholic name, Thomas, or as in Thomas Moore. Uh, I got to choose that one when I was confirmed. So there's a question I've had in my head now for some time during the Trump era, and that question is this. Why does Trump hate Catholics? I know you're thinking, what are you talking about? He just nominated his third Catholic or third baptized Catholic to the Supreme Court. Yeah, don't be fooled by any of that, my friends. We have a president who tear gases peaceful protesters so he can go hold up an upside-down Bible outside an Episcopalian church across the park from the White House, um, have his thugs rough up people who are protesting the murder of black Americans by the police, and, uh, and then run back into the White House, back into his bunker. So why have I been thinking about why does Trump hate Catholics? Hashtag Trump hates Catholics. Well, it started when he was running. Remember when he attacked Pope Francis? Pope Francis, you know, made a few comments about, you know, Trump, you know, not necessarily claiming to be a, a Christian, but not necessarily acting like it. And while he was running for office, he called Pope Francis disgraceful and went on the attack. And I thought, wow, that's a really strange election tactic to go after uh, the Pope. So why would you attack the Pope? And then right away, after he became president, he just, every chance he had to do something to hurt Catholics, to attack Catholics, to cause harm to Catholics, that's what he did. And yet no one in the media ever, ever called it that way, didn't represent it that way. Never, never, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I mean, he wants to put up a wall. He campaigned on it. Build that wall. Build that wall for against for against who? For what reason? To keep out Catholics, right? I mean, the wall on the Mexican border is a wall to keep out Catholics, because the vast, vast, vast majority of Mexicans, of course, are Catholic. But but the media reported as he wanted to have this wall. Well, see, they would say it, at first. You remember they didn't want to say it when Trump lied all the time. They would never use the word lie. So the media would say it's, it's, it's to keep out, you know, illegal, illegal immigrants. Um, that's the purpose of the wall. And then occasionally, especially after his big announcement, you know, the, where he called Mexicans uh, rapists and criminals and all this, then, they, then they'd say Mexicans. But they'd never say Catholics. And I thought, why don't you just say it? It's the truth. He wants a wall to keep out Catholics. Can you imagine a president who said he was going to build the wall, and you could see that the main purpose of the wall was to keep out, I mean, pick any other religion or ethnic group. I'm building a wall to keep out Italians. <laughs> I'm building a wall to keep out Baptists. This wall will guarantee that no more Jews will come into this country. <laughs> we can get away with it, right? But as long as he didn't say Catholics and he just called them Mexicans. But in effect, that's what he was doing, right? 
That's the point of that was to keep out people who are Catholic. The shithole countries, remember that? The shithole countries. What were the shithole countries? Haiti, Catholic. Salvador, Catholic. Guatemala, Catholic. Honduras, Catholic. And then he went off and he said in some African countries too. And I thought, well, that's, not, that's interesting. I think I read something and then I looked it up and there it is that the, the fastest growing continent for the Catholic Church, for new Catholics, more Catholics, is Africa. Number of countries, when they divide up the different religions in that country, the Catholics hold a plurality in places like the Congo and Nigeria and others. Of course, many Muslims, uh, born-again Christians, uh, their own local religions that they've had around forever. But a lot of them are essentially um, somewhat, they're Catholic countries, these shithole countries. In fact, I don't remember him naming a country that he called shithole that wasn't Catholic. But, but for some reason, nobody bothers to point out that those kids in cages are Catholic. Where was the headline that said, Trump puts Catholic kids in cages? Because that's what they were. If they were Jewish kids in cages, I think they, the press might do that. I think if, if they were Baptist kids in cages, I think the press might, might point that out. It's kind of funny that all these kids in cages just happen to be the offspring of Baptists. We got it with a Muslim ban, right? Right out front with that. Muslim ban, Muslim countries. But countries where the population is 90% plus Catholic, this never gets pointed out, and it doesn't get pointed out by the church. I, know, I mean, I know there are some good good bishops and priests and nuns who've you know, pointed this out. And certainly the Pope has tried to point it out in his own kind of nice way. But, but why not just say it? Trump warns Americans of Catholic caravan heading toward U.S. Because that's what it was, right? It was a caravan of hundreds and then thousands of Catholics seeking refuge in the land of the free. Seeking help from the dangerous and difficult situations that they were in, in their Catholic countries. And yet no one would refer to them as Catholic refugees, Catholic child separation. The Trump administration today announced that it was expanding its program to separate Catholic babies from their parents. Well, no, you can't say that, right? Does anybody see this? How about just how about the way that he just attacks Catholics, people of faith? How about the way that he attacks Joe Biden? First of all, at the convention, Trump has Lou Holtz, the former Notre Dame football coach, up on the stage of the Republican convention saying that Biden is a, quote, Catholic in name only. I mean, this is, you know, Biden, I think everybody knows by now, right? He goes to mass every Sunday. He's a, like a true blue Catholic. This guy is Catholic through and through. And yet Trump says, here's a, here's a quote from Trump uh, in Ohio. It says, Biden is following the radical left agenda, which is take away your guns, destroy your Second Amendment. No religion, no anything. Hurt the Bible, hurt God. That's Trump going after someone who may become only our second Catholic president. What's up with that? How come that isn't getting discussed? Where are the Catholic leaders speaking out against this? 
an awful hurricane, Hurricane Maria, hits Puerto Rico. And Trump sends none of the help that they need, goes down there himself, mocks them, throws rolls of paper towels at them. Who's the them? Puerto Ricans. What are Puerto Ricans? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. It's a Catholic island. These are American citizens. Maria. No headline there. The Catholic hurricane. The hurricane that nearly destroyed her. Puerto Rico, the Catholic territory. And then he thinks by putting these Catholics who don't act like Catholics at all, the Gorsuch and, well, Gorsuch was baptized and he's, he's switched now. He's the, he's like, he's Episcopalian, which is like Catholic light. Basically their priests can marry. But the big difference, I think, between Episcopalians and the Catholics, they both have mass, they both do the whole thing. But Kavanaugh is Catholic. Really? Really? Clarence Thomas is Catholic. Okay, look, I don't want to sit in a judgment seat here, folks, but, you know, you can read the Book of Rules. It's called the New Testament. If you're a Catholic, what this conservative Supreme Court has done to harm people, all people, not just Catholics, to hurt the poor, to hurt efforts toward real peace, it's really odd if you read a, the rare writing from Clarence Thomas in an opinion, you don't see a lot of Catholicism coming out there. You don't see a lot of love your neighbor as yourself. What you see from the Catholics on the court is frankly a lot of hate. And the Pope, without wanting to be political, has tried to say things every now and then. This Pope and John Paul II, who was a more conservative Pope, they both have said that that our economic system that we have in this country is one of greed, and it's a sin. This modern-day capitalism is a sin. It's wrong. They've made it clear that the death penalty is a sin. You cannot take another's life, even when they commit a crime. That's the Catholic faith. And yet, these justices and Catholics in the who are Republicans in the Senate and the House are very pro-death penalty. So it's it's confusing, I know. But in Trump, they have somebody who is who is, <laughs> has no religion. Whether it's whether he doesn't fake it though, see, he doesn't go to church and pretend every Sunday that he's a Christian. He has, he has one belief system. It's called Donald J. Trump. That's who he believes in. And now he's nominated to the Supreme Court. Um, I'm not going to get into whether she's a Catholic or not a Catholic or a good Catholic or a bad Catholic or, or whatever. Um, I just want to say this, that the, the sect that she belongs to is nuttier than all get out, um, where the, the men are the masters and the women are the handmaids and all this stuff that um, I, you know, the Catholicism I was raised with doesn't, I don't, this isn't, you know, but I can see how they can get away with it because of the way the church has viewed women f- from the beginning. So the church does have to change. They have to change that. And it's it's hard for them to speak out of both sides of their mouth when it comes to some 
somebody like um, uh, Judge Barrett. But I can say it. I can say it. And I will say it. uh, That this is wrong. That this is not about how you love your neighbor. This is not how, you know, what she's planning to do, how you treat women. And when you're a traitor to your own gender, wow. Um, You know, I've had what I've, you know, I've said what I wanted to say on my own Facebook and I'll post some of it here, but, but um, look, she's not on the Supreme court yet. There's still a chance can still call our senators every single day. Here's the number again, 202-225-3121. Call them every day. Don't be fooled by any of this. Catholics who are listening to this, Trump truly hates you. And so much of his cruelty that he's directed at human beings during these four years has been toward fellow Catholics. The shithole people. The people we have to build a wall to keep them out. The babies that we can snatch from their parents and not give them back. Years later, they still don't even know who, what parent belongs to what kid. They did it in such a reckless, disgusting fashion. These are our brothers and our sisters, whether you're Catholic or not. And wouldn't any of us stand up against any, any kind of pushback or violence against anyone? And if 90 to 100% of them happen to be Baptist or Jewish, this is what you made happen, our second Catholic president. Well, what's what we're doing right now? We're voting. We're rising up. 45 states in Washington, D.C. now are open for early voting. Vote now. Vote today. Vote tomorrow. And maybe just send a note to the White House and ask Trump, why? Just before you leave, I mean, before you go on, we just want to know, why do you hate Catholics? It's got to really bother you that Joe Biden, a practicing Catholic, is going to replace you. Hear the sirens? (laughs) That's right, Donald. They're coming. Oh, yeah, Donald. Nick, cue the Catholic music. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm really grooving to that. Um, I have a few more things to say about this and Trump's um, nominee to the Supreme Court that we all must stop. Uh, But before we do that, um, let me acknowledge our other underwriter today, Express. Uh, VPN, which stands for Virtual Private Network. Thank you, uh, ExpressVPN, for supporting this podcast and supporting me and making sure that a few million people get to hear my voice. Greatly appreciate it. Since we've had them as an underwriter, people have been asking us, okay, so what exactly is uh, VPN, ExpressVPN, and why do we need it uh, to protect our privacy? Well, Let's just go to the experts right away here. I mean, who are the best people to tell us about how dangerous the tech industry has become than the tech industry themselves, the insiders who built these huge companies and who built these devices. They are the ones to turn to, the ones who are willing to speak out. Has anybody seen this documentary, The Social Dilemma? It's on Netflix. <sighs> wow. I mean, watch this. In the, in the, in the film, these tech insiders, right? Uh, Silicon Valley, Silicon Alley types. They explain how social media has been engineered to exploit the user's data. That means you and me violate our privacy and then profit off of it. They themselves call it surveillance capitalism. 
Wow. Well, you and I can do something about this uh, to protect ourselves online. And that's where our underwriter, ExpressVPN, comes in. Every time you use the internet, big tech companies are mining your data by tracking your searches and your messages and your video history. But when you run ExpressVPN on your device, it hides your IP address, which of course is what they're using to personally identify you. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and from prying eyes. It's incredibly fast. It's easy to use. Just tap one button. Boom, you're protected. So if you like the idea of an underwriter who supports this podcast and you don't like the idea of tech companies exploiting your personal information, then visit ExpressVPN, that's V as in Victor, P as in Paul, N as in Network, ExpressVPN.com slash Rumble. Don't forget the slash Rumble part. And you can get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free. That's Express. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash rumble to protect your data. Okay, you got that, everybody? Go to expressvpn.com slash rumble to learn more. Okay, now back to Amy Coney Barrett. There's a segue for you. (laughs) Seriously, folks, I posted the last episode, episode 129, where I read a short story I wrote regarding my um, personal experience with a friend who had an abortion when I was in high school back when it was illegal, which is where we're heading now. And the response from you who have listened to that episode has been incredible. Um, thank you so much. Thank you to the people who sent me their personal stories, to the women who remember that time when it was illegal, to those who don't want to go back to that time, to those who have their own stories of what they've had to go through. Um, who are, were grateful that they now lived in a country that had choice, even though the choice has been whittled down to practically nothing by Republicans and state legislatures all across this country. But some very powerful letters I got and voice messages. I just want to read one one email and, and play one one voice message for you here. So I'm going to read this to you. It's from a woman named Rachel. I'm not going to give her last name, but uh, um, here it goes. Hey, Mike, I just listened to your latest podcast. Thank you for sharing your personal story. My boyfriend walked out on me when I was 10 weeks pregnant, 24 years old. I knew I did not want to be tied to him for the next 18 years. I knew I did not want to be a single and broke young mother. I had just graduated from the University of Texas with my bachelor's degree in journalism. It was 2004. It was definitely one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make. I felt if I went through with the abortion, I would be turning my back on this life that was growing inside of me, my baby. I laid there in the bathtub of my efficiency apartment trying to talk myself out of the appointment. But I also knew that if I didn't go through with the abortion, I would be turning my back on someone I knew very well. Someone who was already born. Someone who wanted motherhood when it could be enjoyed to the fullest, someone who wanted to give so much more to a deserving child, myself. After several months of grieving the loss and buying myself a $5 bouquet of fresh flowers every week without fail, I became very confident. 
I knew I had overcome a situation that could have derailed completely the life I knew I deserved. I went back to school and ended up graduating with a Master's of Science in Communication Disorders. I've been working as a speech-language pathologist and also as a political activist and democratic socialist for the past 12 years. I am married. I have a beautiful daughter who is eight years old and whom I adore and who has brought so much love into my life and whom I can give the best of myself. Words cannot express how grateful I am to have had access to an abortion, a safe abortion. I have never, ever regretted the decision I made that day in June of 2004 to terminate a pregnancy caused by a first-class coward and mama's boy. Yeah, dude, that's right. She's talking about you. I can't imagine living in a country that has turned back the clock on women's rights. I want to share my story somehow. I want women to know how life-changing abortion can be for the good how it was a second chance at life for me, how I was reborn from the ashes of that experience into someone stronger, someone whom I can respect. Thank you, Michael, and to all of you out there for listening to this story. I'm a longtime fan, and I'm a happy mom. Rachel from Texas. Thank you, Rachel, for sending that along. I want to play a voice message I received. You know, all of you listening to this, you can send me a voicemail. Hi, Michael. Um, my name is Jade B. And I reside in Charlotte, North Carolina. Been listening to your podcast for about two months now. I know your films. I know your work. I have to tell you, this podcast uh, really, whew, this one hit me deeply. Um, I'm a difficult time today not thinking about it. Thank you um, for sharing that with us. Thank you for all that you do on a daily basis, on television, movies. Um, you are an incredible, incredible man. Keep it up. Having a difficult time choking back here. I've been a little teary-eyed listening to that. It was very difficult. Um, just wanted to let you know that there are people out here that you are making a difference for. Thank you so much, sir, and have a wonderful weekend. Well, you see, I mean, everybody has a story, right? He didn't tell us any of the details, but you know that in his life, the story that I told of something that happened in my life when I was 17. Well, thank you for listening to this episode here on uh, Cue the Sunday Morning uh, Music. Maybe we'll just we'll close uh, with a song here uh, from Bruce Springsteen. I went to see his show on Broadway a couple years ago. I went there one night, Tom Morello and I, you know, Tom from Rage Against the Machine, and we sat there and had our minds blown by this incredible uh, show. And I, it, it, you can see it now if you have Netflix. Uh, they they did a, a recording of it, and it's just it's just beautiful. I didn't realize that he had been sort of raised Catholic. Uh, I guess he came from a Catholic home, but um, um, but he talked about what that what that means to him and what it meant to him and what he's gleaned from it now and his in his uh, older years he essentially sort of near the end or at the end of the show he ends it by by saying the Our Father the Lord's Prayer comes out of nowhere very unexpected and uh, very powerful in terms of how he related to it I do admire that part about Biden you know and I know he means it 
and and so much of his politics. You know, they may not be everybody's politics. I mean, you may agree with 50% of what he thinks or does or whatever, but you can see that it's it is it is feels grounded in a belief system that says we have to treat each other better. And we have to look out for those who don't have what we have. I'd rather somebody like that in the White House. Not, not religious-wise, just those values. It, it seems like it's been some time. Maybe we've never really had it as good as we could have it, but I do believe that things could get better. We can at least have that hope, right? Not a false hope, a real hope. The other day, it was, it was John Lennon's, would have been his 80th birthday. He was killed in New York City 40 years ago, this coming December here. And they played his last radio interview that he did with RKO Radio. And in the interview, he says, you know, we don't know about the future, but we do know wherever there's life, there's hope. We're still alive. We've lost people this year. Awful, awful. Those of us who are still alive have a responsibility in their name and in their honor to fix this awful dark mess we're in. That's what we're doing right now. People are lined up around the block all across America. Well, that's it for today. Lots to think about. Thank you, fellow recovering Catholics. (laughs) And for those of you who aren't, thanks for letting me share some of this. And I think we'll just we'll go out on a on a Springsteen song. It's called uh, "Jesus Was an Only Son." To all the other only sons out there, have a good day. Get active. Do something. We've got very little time left. Be well. This is Michael Moore, and this is Rumble. Where Jesus was an only son, as he walked up Calvary Mother Mary walking beside him In the path with his blood spilled Jesus was an only son In the hills of Nazareth He lay reading the Psalms of David He let his mother's feet Mother pray, sleep tight, my child, sleep well, for I'll be at your side. And no shadow, no darkness, no tolling bell shall pierce your dreams this night.